Are you gay? Geeky? Just enjoy hearing your good Judy's dish about the latest in pop culture? Well, then you're in luck. The boys of Flame On are here for you. In every episode, we discuss the topics that entrance us. Whether it's comics, TV, movies, drag queens, or video games, we've got you covered. So, if you're ready for your gay and geeky slice of pop culture life, then sit back and get ready to Flame On! Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Brace yourselves for a noble horror, because the call of Cthulhu Mystery Program has returned. Yes. Nerdy Show's beloved RPG audio drama of black comedy and Lovecraftian horror is back with an all-new series, a chilling tale called The Terrible Secret of Lot X. Head to CthulhuMystery.com or find the Call of Cthulhu Mystery program wherever you procure fine podcasts. Succumb to the maddening call of Cthulhu. The following episode of Flame On is presented by the Nerdy Show Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by a comic shop. Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination. And with the generous support of listeners like you. To learn how you can support this and other fine geeky programming, visit nerdyshow.com. What's going on, everybody? Pat DeBerry here with another episode of Flame On. It's the quarantine remix, sorry. <laughs> so we are doing our monthly pop culture roundup, and I am joined today by Brian. Hello. BJ. Hi. Josh. Hello. And Eric. Howdy. Howdy, partner. We are here to discuss the month in pop culture, the things that have titillated and enticed us to discuss them right here on the podcast for you and possibly watching on Patreon um, later on this evening. We'll see how I feel about it. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be editing this tonight anyway because um, there might have been technical issues when we recorded this with plenty of time. And I I might be to blame for that. I'm going to blame it on the alcohol, even though I was not drunk when we started. Um, but I definitely <laughs> was drunk by the end of it. So, you know, whatever. Were you high? Uh-uh. No. Nope. Blame it on the a- 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 alcohol. But we are back to discuss. So we're actually, when we say, uh, when we recorded this, the people who are listening to this tonight, it's the same day. Anybody that's listening to this afterwards, then it's a different day. But we are here to discuss pop culture 
and we are going to do that for you right now. We each have a topic that we are going to bring to the table. We're going to discuss it. We're going to disseminate. We are going to have lots of fun talking about it. And uh, there are a couple of general topics that I want to throw out there into the room because I think that uh, they are uh, gay and geeky and uh, deserving of being on this podcast. So without further ado, let me throw it on over to Brian for our first topic. Uh, Is this my pick? Is this the, they were talking about Hollywood? Hooray for Hollywood. All right, cool. So Hollywood is a Ryan Murphy miniseries. I did confirm it is a miniseries, although there was this like, would there, could there be another one? And at first they said, maybe. And then they said, no, because (laughs) a mini limited series in this case is, I think, uh, a better call. But it is on Netflix. It came out two weeks ago-ish. So, of course, we watched it the same day, right? Um, It is produced by Ryan Murphy, but written by a cast of different writers and directed by, and I believe she also played a, a role in some of the storytelling uh, choices besides that, Janet Mock, uh, who is a phenomenal director and writer, uh, trans and fabulous. And so uh, Hollywood is about a fictional Hollywood. It is not about real Hollywood. However, it is confusing because it is like you took the core of the 1940s Hollywood added in a new few new characters, new studios, kind of shook the world a little bit, and then something different happens. And so uh, this tells a story based in truth, but departing from and going into this delightfully potential alternate timeline, in which case uh, there is no Trump, there is no COVID, there is no uh, anything bad. No, I'm just kidding. we don't know that. We don't know that. It could still all collapse <laughs> down. It's it, it's timey wimey, right? So it is all about the creation of a movie based on a real life, in this case, a person, uh, Meg, no, Peg. Oh, God, I got confused already. Ant Whistle. <laughs> uh, a real person, a starlet who uh, didn't get a part, uh, was or cut out of a movie they were in, and then threw themselves off the Hollywood sign. Uh, that really happened. That's truth. And it's about uh, all these like starlet screenwriter, director, producer, everybody like kind of coming up trying to make this project. Some of which uh, cast, you know, person of color in the actress, uh, lead actress role, uh, directors half Filipino, played by Darren Chris, uh, who, you know, I didn't know was half Filipino, uh, I guess is actually. That's cool. Uh, and who else? Oh, uh, black uh, screenwriter Archie Collins. Last name. Uh, who else? Uh, LGBT across the board. We got like, you know, Rock Hudson, who's actually gay, even though he was in the closet most of his life. Uh, in in that in real reality, in this reality, he gets to not do that. But anyway, all these different cool actors and actresses, a lot of which are younger, uh, relatively unseen uh, by a lot of people. Uh, I really enjoyed Archie's uh, character, who. Um, you know, screenwriter captivating you, the way you meet him, I don't want to spoil too much, but is sort of like uh, a very um, gay, uh, especially in that time period sort of situation where, where you couldn't be out. So we had to say we, uh, we had to find ways to meet each other, if you uh, will. Um, yeah, in secret. Uh, it's the centered around this place called the, was it the filling station? I think that's the name. It was like a gas station where yeah. basically, basically they were like pimps 
uh, or sorry, it was run by a pimp and it was, uh, you know, filled by these attendants who are actually men who would go out and sleep with pretty much anybody who wanted to. Um, and they just had to ask to go to dreamland, which is, I originally, I found out the original title of this was actually dreamland, which would have been a far more perfect title for this whole piece uh. for many reasons. But, um, there was a copyright issue that couldn't do it. Um, that pimp, by the way, uh, Ernie was played by Dylan McDermott and almost unrecognizably like aged. Although, I mean, I think, you know, obviously a little extra gray in his hair, um, but, but brilliantly performed. I had not seen Dylan uh, McDermott in a role like that before and really quite the daddy. Um, so dreamy. See, see so you got me, you, you got me with daddy pimp. So now I'm just going to go ahead and put that on my list now. <laughs> Well, yeah. So I mean, across the board, uh, ja- Jeremy Pope, I had to look it up, uh, who played Archie Coleman, uh, UCF or sorry, not UCF, Orlando alum, uh, Timber Creek, Creek, I think, went to Hollywood or sorry, went to Broadway first and then has been cast in, in stuff. A lot of ho- uh, Broadway alums in this piece, including Patty Lapone, fantastic, yeah. uh, who plays this fictional character, Avis Amberg, who is the wife of the head of a studios. The husband, the guy who actually is the head of A Studios for most of the film or piece is uh, Rob Reiner. Great role for him. Um, and Jim Parsons, who I had really only seen in uh, a Big Bang Theory. Sorry, I had to vomit a little in my mouth when I said that. <laughs> but, oh my God, gets to play this sleazy, fictionalized talent agent who uh, originally had Rock Hudson um, named Henry Wilson. And like actually acts really well and had some amazing lines and and some of the most memorable scenes in the whole thing. It'll be interesting to see like what, what this kind of does for his career. Cause like during big bang theory, I know he was in a dreamworks movie called home where he plays like a weird, awkward, super smart alien. And then he was in hidden figures as a weird, awkward, like, you know, scientist. So it'll be interesting to see like if he actually gets other roles because he is a decent actor. Yeah, no, I mean, it, clearly he, he is way more uh, interesting than the role he played on TV, but that happens a lot. I do want to give some credit to some of the other actual real uh, people in the film or rather actual Hollywood of that era uh, minorities portrayed in the movie who are, who actually existed. Queen Latifah plays Hattie McDaniel, who was, if you remember, Gone with the Wind. Uh, she played the uh, was it the maid? I forgot the character's name. Oh uh, yeah, she, she played the Ma- maid. Well, yeah, basically. Uh, I don't know if that was the name or not, but uh, yeah, I'm um, pretty sure it was. Was it that 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 probably is it? We'll go with that. Uh, Vivian Lee, of course, who played Scarlet, um, although she, you know, uh, it, not as much a minority, but um, Eleanor Roosevelt uh, was portrayed in this. Also had a pivotal role gay characters or gay actual people like george kukor uh noel howard is in this uh played by this guy billy boyd who i mean played pretty good noel howard um and then uh, anime wong and i'm struggling to find the name of the actress that played anime but uh again actual uh actors and actresses who were in hollywood in that era now i I bring that up because one of the criticisms of this piece is it diminishes the actual real stories of these people and yes it does not get into their stories as much as these fictional characters but the point of the piece is not to just show history it is a fiction it is a what if hollywood made better choices and that people found a way to tell this story and make a 
very noticeable change in their world. And, you know, it succeeds in that way. It is ideal and romanticized. Absolutely. 100% across the board. But um, I think it's uplifting and I do, uh, I'm very happy it exists. Uh, We need some of that right now. Well, right. And I think right now uh, compared to the upcoming adaptation of the stand, if you will, is being uh, something that's going to be out there in the not too distant future. Uh, Oof. Yeah. Um, along with some other pieces I think we're going to talk about uh, that are coming out or have just come out, uh, it is really awesome to see uplifting LGBT and uh, minority-centric uh, content. I will also add to this, and we had this in our previous iteration. I don't want to steal anybody's thunder. But clearly, we need more of the representation in the creative process in Hollywood, in the actual Hollywood. Uh, and Ryan Murphy, of course, is a cisgender white male. But from what I have read, he does uplift others in his community and other communities to help be a part of the projects he's in. So I will give him that credit um, for doing that. Uh, yeah. Good old Tati. And uh, Michelle Krushik is uh, the actress. Uh, Thank you. Ray Wong. The good thing about doing these and having multiple monitors is that I can, uh, while you guys are talking, I can pull up IMDb and pull up information. Ladies so. and gentlemen, not only is he the director and producer, he is also our fact checker. <laughs> In real time. <laughs> real time. Right. Normally we have to wait for people to uh, listen to the podcast and then and yell at us. Wrong about stuff, but you know. You're wrong. So, no, I mean, I, I know I wasn't the only one who saw it, right? Uh, Pat, you oh, saw right. it. I watched I saw it. it in a day or two um i i'm glad that it's out there uh i'm not going to go into the diatribe that i went into on the first go round of this because maybe it was just because i had recently seen it that a lot of these points uh stuck out of my head a little bit more that um i i do want to see more um creators of color and queer creators and um more diversity in that and i do love the fact that i do give credit to ryan murphy for being able to get these things greenlit and then utilizing that um, aspect to be able to get them made. Um, I'm glad that you did fact check that uh, Darren Chris is half Filipino because I felt like it felt like me on the screen. (laughs) Somebody looked like me because they're super white, but also a minority. And and it's, well, it's, it's in the show itself. Um, Camille, uh, is it Camille? Camilla? Camille. Yeah. Camille. She calls him out on it. One of the points when he, when he gets kind of like, you know, well, you know, even if you just screen test for the role, that'll, you know, that breaks boundaries and, you know, they're not going to give it to you, but whatever. And she calls him out for being able to pass in that respect. Um, you know, it comes down to, and it can be an allegory for not just interracial but for um, for trans, when you look at it, it, and I say you just in the wider general you, when you look at um, a trans person and go, oh, well, okay, they can pass. So, you know, and you give like, that's your your thought process of, well, this is how it should be. It's not a matter of that. It's the fact that anybody going through that journey, anybody that is um, has uh, different ethnicities, anybody that is part of those circles and those environments and those cultures and those communities absolutely deserves all of the um the respect and the attention that that it comes down to and like for me i absolutely understand 
my white privilege, even though I'm half Puerto Rican, I was raised by the Puerto Rican side of my family. I still know that at the end of the day, my name is Patrick O'Rourke and I look white as fuck. So I know that I don't have to deal with the same issues that um, that BJ would have to go and face out there um, as a person of color that when you look at him, you know that he is not a white dude. You know what I mean? Like it, it's, it's one of those things that I really want to push for more people to, to understand that and to really appreciate that. And for people that like me and like Darren Chris that are absolutely can pass for white, I really want to see them be the ones to try to put their foot forward and, and help make change for that. So what's that's my drive this time around for <laughs> what, What's super interesting though, is um, the new Penny Dreadful series um, actually covers some of that. And uh, one of the main characters, he is Mexican but he passes for white and he's a police officer and it's supposed to be like the 19, I want to say 1950s, 1960s, like LA. So it's a very, and everything's very racially charged. So that's the, it actually tells a really good story about how like he has imposter syndrome and how his family expects him to push certain agendas. And then the police expects him to push different agendas um, so it's actually a very human storyline amongst this kind of supernatural horror aspect, but, um, yeah, no, definitely check out the Penny Dreadful City of Angels is, uh, is that series. I also wanted to mention, and I overlooked this, the uh, Hollywood was co-created by Ryan Murphy and Ian McBrennan. And what I didn't realize is they're actually the two co-creators who did Scream, um, sorry, not Scream, Glee, um, Ian McBrennan was the original creator, like came up with the idea of Glee. And then because Ryan Murphy is an established producer, was able to kind of partner with him for that. So it's, it's like bringing the team back together, right? If you enjoyed Glee, there are definitely elements of this that you will appreciate in some certain characters as well, or, or uh, yeah, at least one I that I can like, think of. I feel like Hollywood will age better because I recently <laughs> watched one or two episodes of Glee and it did not age well at all. Really? No. Yeah. no. Ooh, really not. They're talking about rebooting it too with Leah Michelle and Ben Platt. Yeah, yep. which I, I actually kind of would be okay with, to be honest. I'd be yeah. very okay with that. I, I have a feeling all of us like him. I mean, you guys saw the politician as well, right? Oh Another, yeah, yeah. Ooh, yeah. Season two is coming out soon. Yeah, by the way, July I think. Yeah. Good. Yeah, and his July. his concert uh, just got released on Netflix. Oh, oh nice! A concert he did at I think Radio City Music Hall. I love that these uh, artists are putting out concert footage especially because a lot of them that were touring this year have uh, postponed or in Kesha's case, canceled their tour. Um, so I know, right. Uh, but like Taylor Swift just released the uh, city of lover that premiered on ABC and then went to Hulu and Disney plus um, also in geeky news for July umbrella Academy just announced their season two for July 31st. Yes. And then what is it? Is it is it Fourth of July for Hamilton? Uh, uh, the third, the third, yeah, it's third, third of July. Okay, so yeah, which was a huge thing. That's what like a year ahead of uh, schedule. Yeah. They went ahead and, and decided to do that. That's just a they t- they taped the original Hollywood or uh, Broadway cast, right? I don't like yes. it. Oh, yeah. Hollywood yeah. and Broadway are like a neuron away from in my brain right now. So I don't know. No, but that's I mean that's my favorite version of uh, Rent that was ever put out. I mean it's not the original cast, obviously. The stage show is so brilliant that I, um, I I love the fact that they recorded it 
uh, in their final performance and then release that. So I'm excited to see Hamilton that way uh, with the original cast as well. So lots more queer and people of color content coming your way. Which I'm, I'm, so I might as well, since we're talking about queer and uh, people of color content, um, I'll throw this out there also just because I'm super excited about it. Today is a huge day um, for that because Amazon released Homecoming Season 2, which stars Janelle Monet. So oh, I'm excited right. I forgot about that. All, uh, all episodes drop today. So I think she's actually uh, hosting a, a watch-along, possibly on Twitter or somewhere, right now as we're recording this. Um, so, you know, I chose you guys over doing something with Janelle Monet. In addition to Homecoming... Uh, the Lovebirds, I always have to remember it because I always want to call it Date Night, and it's not the title. The Lovebirds, <laughs> starring Issa Rae and Kumail Nanjiani, um, was released on Netflix today. So, ah, it's so exciting. So very exciting. That's probably what I'm going to watch instead of writing my personal essay for grad school. Oh, there you go. There you go. I sign off on that today, but then tomorrow, I don't sign off on it. Do your do your personal essay tomorrow. I Thank you. <laughs> I'm glad I could give permission. Uh, anybody? Mama, any, there has spoken. Right. Any uh, any other thoughts on Hollywood that we want to throw out there into the world? So, the opening. Oh yes. <laughs> How do we almost like always forget to talk about this? And I say I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> We've only talked about it once. Um. So by far one of the best openings for any show I've ever seen. Um, it it was short, but at the same time it was just it was very artistic in terms of the mise en scène of, of the framing of everything. Like you had all your your core characters uh, climbing to the top of the Hollywood sign, and they're all like you helping each other up, which um, you know is great to see. And essentially is also kind of what you have to do in the industry because it's all about networking and who you know and uh, to get those opportunities. But um, there is a part where uh, Camille, uh, her shoe falls off, which is actually a part of the plot for the movie that she's in, which is also about climbing to the top of the Hollywood building. But just everything about the opening was just amazing um, and and quite um, intelligent and brilliant for the show itself. Yeah, the soundtrack uh, also uh, from that opening and on is just fabulous. It's very period music, you know, forties jazz, very upbeat. Um, yeah, it's 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 a lively lively soundtrack. Yeah, that that opening is gorgeous, and I don't I don't know if it gives you the option to skip it in the first episode, um, which was great because it was so well done. I was very happy because I tend to go ahead and just skip the opening, just you know for. We're in a society where if you can skip the intro, you do normally just because you want to continue on. You have other stuff to do. And for them to... I, I watch them. Well, you're a special man, all right? So that's why it takes you four years to catch up on some shows, all right? No. <laughs> don't you... You don't know my life. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I, mean, I, I think oh. we know your life. A little bit. Just a, just a teensy tiny bit. Uh, but no, it, I'm, I'm glad that it did give you the option to, uh, it didn't give you the option to skip it the first time around. Um, and I found myself, um, enjoying the, the, the intro music and enjoying the intro itself that I didn't skip it because it is so short. I didn't skip it through any of the other, uh, six episodes after that. So I definitely give lots of kudos and, uh, 
uh, Josh's use of French to describe the uh, the opening. It's the staging of the positioning of the screen. I learned it in uh, one of my film classes. Can you say the word? Can you say the, the phrase again? Mise en scène. I love it. Love it. I was like mise en place. Are we watching Top Chef? <laughs> <laughs> mise en place challenge. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right, so that is Hollywood on Netflix. It is streaming now. Go check it out if you have not. Um, it's definitely, for any qualms that I have about it, it definitely is worth watching. Um, and it is it is very uplifting in these troubling times. Or, I'm sorry, uh, in these uncertain times. So I, I was just doing the obligatory in these times commercial. So, moving on from Brian... Speaking of Patty Lapone, Ms. Yellow Diamond, if you're nasty, let's go on <laughs> over to DJ. What's your topic? Oh, oh boy. So, um, right when all of the, the COVID nonsense and everything, and the world was falling apart, um, before all the masks, um, the official end to the Steven Universe series happened. It they uh, They were actually supposed to do a movie theater sing-along uh for the movie and they were supposed to show a one of the episodes um from here to homeworld uh at the end of the movie however movie theaters shut down so they actually just added like two or three episodes at a time so i think the it ended march 20 how many days are in march it was 31 it was march 27th okay uh, it was March 27th, I believe, was the end. Uh, it was four episodes. Um, I know we had talked a little bit about Steven Universe Future. Um, and it hit pretty, like, all things with Rebecca Sugar hit pretty hard. But Steven Universe Future, like, if you watch an animated series, you generally do not think of the characters as having like a normal psyche. You think of them as embellished versions of themselves or embellished versions of like a hero trope. Steven Universe Future kind of took that away. And Steven's a normal, more or less a normal kid. Yes, he has powers, but he has actual trauma. He's, he's actually experienced things that require therapy to get over and there is one episode where he goes to the doctor for the first time and she looks at him and she's like, she's like, this is serious. You need to talk to somebody about this. And, and it's just one of those things where you get to see, you literally get to see everybody else's more or less happy ending. You get to see everybody's growth from the original series, but then you realize other than Steven's powers, he fundamentally doesn't really know who he is or who he wants to be. So it's it's just one of those things where you're like, oh damn, I I never really thought about what would happen to my favorite superhero post, um, you know, post final battle, uh, and even some of the enemies. You get to see how their lives turned out afterwards, um, and we're starting to see these kind of stories. I know with Heroes in Crisis, uh, that that DC story, you're, you're starting to understand that like even though you have these characters, if you put them under the light of that they're regular people on top of like having to do these dangerous and weird things, there's a compounded, there's a compound, there's damage. There's 
things that people have to like learn how to move past from. So um, I'm not going to spoil too much, but uh, it come, for Steven, it comes in the form of his body starts like acting up. He starts glowing pink. Uh, his his head enlarges randomly. It's 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 really really interesting. Um, they kind of double down on like certain characters. You don't even really think about them having relationships. Um, but there's a cute little moment with Bismuth uh, wanting to go out with Pearl. Um, but it's it's I, I'm waiting for them to drop that final song the ending theme for the uh the show because the ending theme was really really good because and you don't hear the words till the very very like he's driving off into the distance um so it's it's it it was kind of bittersweet uh so if you have ever watched steven universe or if you're trying to catch up now is the perfect time it's completely done um we where can we watch it uh i do know hulu has up to season three or four yeah um i don't know if cartoon network's waiting to drop because they the way they released the whole series was kind of annoying um but they released them in bricks so i'm pretty sure they're going to release from season four all the way to the end like the final series uh but it is for rent up on um amazon prime but uh no it's 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 interesting because uh as as somebody who, when I well, growing up, I was taught you have to think a certain way to like be considered a, a decent person, a good person. And if you start having not so nice thoughts, does that make you a bad person? It's just one of those things, and it's it's a big internal struggle that you get to watch Steven go through. And that like, there was some rocking back and forth in the shower for a couple of nights after I finished uh, finished the show. Yeah, it's definitely what you do on a regular night, though. No, usually I'm drunk. <laughs> so I saw Three that clip. Away. I saw that clip that you were talking about, where he's talking about uh, his trauma. Oh, yeah. I saw a clip on on Facebook, and uh, I was like, "Holy!" Like, because he was recounting a lot of these experiences that he was overlooking, and then I was just like, "This, this is tra- like, this is some shit. This is like." No, this is not okay. It's like um, died. Pearl did die. I almost drowned. It's just it's right, like, and it's just like I watching. I haven't seen Futures, but I've seen everything else up until uh, Homeworld. You know when they did the uh, purification of the corrupted gems. Mm-hmm. Um, but that watching all of that, I never once thought Stephen's only like fourteen. Yeah, you're like, oh, this like that thought never crossed my mind, and now thinking about him as an actual fourteen-year-old child, I'm like, oh, girl, who hurt you? Everybody, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> come here, let me give you a hug. <laughs> and it's very interesting. You actually get to see, you get to see, because they, I throughout the whole series, they kind of paint Greg as like a lovable goof, mm-hmm. his dad, but his dad was kind of a mess. Like his dad lived in a van, you know. Stephen more no. or less lived in a van until like he was four. So it's just right. one of those things where, and and it, like I said, it's just really interesting to actually get to see a character take a step back and look at like the messy parts of their life and be like, "I never went to a doctor till two days ago. What the like? 
just one of those it's just one of those things and it's and he's still very much steven but it's just one it's it's very interesting you see everybody kind of have their shit together and then now steven has no other choice but to pull his own shit together so um but definitely um if if people are still kind of if people are over the steven universe hype train and it's done i i i severely suggest if you are a part of the LGBTQ community, it is a series that you definitely should at least pick out the the store more story driven episodes if you don't want to kind of go through some of the fluff. But it is definitely something I feel like everybody within the community should watch because I mean there's so many different stories in there that are worth watching. Um and like I said, there's some. It, it's coded in fluff, but when you pull it back, it, there's a mirror in there, and it's telling you your shit. So, yeah, and a future was less co- uh, coded in fluff, and it was a lot more direct on how it portrayed things, including um, being able to be a, a couple, like an inseparable couple, but have different ideas and different things that you want to do. Um, you know, where we only saw Garnet through the majority of the show and we only saw Ruby and Sapphire pretty much when they were forced to split. And then there's one scene where they unfuse and go about their business and go do, Ruby's going to do this, Sapphire's going to do this. And it's mind-boggling to see them because that's always just been how he's seen them. It's mm-hmm. Wasn't that when he was also trying to get them back together? That I mean that also, but I mean again, like they were, there was reasons behind those splits. Yeah, um, you know when when uh, when they were forced to be apart, it was one thing, but this they're just they're choosing to go about it. Ruby wants to do this, Sapphire wants to do that, and it it definitely tackled a lot of these issues head on, which was which was nice to uh, to see addressed that way because it was much shorter. We didn't have Steven bombs this time around for the most part. It, yeah, was, it was like two episodes every Friday is how they aired. Yeah. And, and for them to put all of that out so quickly and put it all together um, was, was nice to see. And a huge shout out to uh, our friend Drew Green, who worked on the show. Uh, oh, right. Friend of the pod, who is now uh, taking on uh, drawing and cartooning and animation responsibilities at it's a DC superhero girls is the show. Yeah. Yeah. He just got that. I was very excited for him. Uh, I will say though, the, uh, the music once again is kind of, it's uh, like apart from the movie, which did have a lot of like, kind, not really pointless songs, but songs that you really didn't need. Expositional this, songs. Yes. It had a lot of expositional songs. They get back to their, their formula of having like a handful of songs, uh, Sadie and her partner Shep um i really like their song moving forward uh they did release on the official spotify they did release um i i'd rather be um which is the song steven sings to connie which i'm totally gonna sing either at my wedding or my sister's wedding um it is that is like the that that song melted me it turned me into a puddle of goo it was so sweet um but uh and also the ending theme uh there's still like these little bits of it's that make it Steven universe, these little tiny bits that are in there that still uh, kind of, you know, make you, make you a little bit happy, make you a little bit sad. Um, but yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I keep forgetting to mention this every time we talked about it, 
since this will probably be the last time we talk about it, um, there is a Steven Universe Spotify page, um, which has all of the soundtracks uh, from the, it has volume one and volume two, and it has the special edition. Oh, there it is. Josh is holding it up on the camera. This is a visual medium. Um, <laughs> um, but it, uh, and it also has the special edition of the movie soundtrack. Uh, which has Rebecca Sugar actually singing the demos uh, in there, which is really cute. Uh, but yeah, definitely, um, if, you, if you're if you craving a little bit more Steven Universe, uh, I would definitely uh, pick that up. That is Steven Universe Future currently streaming on Hulu, if you have Hulu with live TV. Um, and Amazon uh, for Prime. Uh, Prime for purchase of rent or... However, they do those television shows. I don't. I don't usually rent television shows, so I don't know these things. <laughs> All right, I, I want to throw a little topic out there. Um, this is based off of uh, when we did our first go around for this episode. Uh, BJ talked about a certain film that was the uh, the end piece for an animated uh, universe. And it was called Justice League Dark Apocalypse War. Constantine. And, well, <laughs> some homosexuals out there were very excited when it was revealed that John Constantine had dated King Shark. So what are your guys' thoughts on Mr. Constantine and King Shark as a couple? I mean, it's better than Parley and <laughs> like the... The faint that they have in that little moment, you know, the, the, oh, yeah. it's like you think it's Harley, and you're like, <laughs> even Raven's like, that's gross. <laughs> but I think I think the biggest shock is everyone. Well, most comic book readers have known that he is uh, bi at the very least. Uh, you know, it, it's uh, it's more of the that he might have bottomed, which again is unconfirmed, and it's not uh, it's not something that we can say for sure. Uh, but it is still uh, a delicious thought. It's passively confirmed by the writer of Justice League Dark Apocalypse War because someone uh, someone tweeted out after with a screenshot of, of that or uh, a short video clip and uh, was like said something about oh, Constantine Bottom for King Shark. I can't believe that they wrote this. And the writer <laughs> tweeted back and said, I can't believe they let me write this. So I think it was, it was passively confirmed uh, that Constantine was the bottom in that relationship. And seeing King Shark, honestly, it probably was the easier of the the two methods. Yeah, I was gonna say, mm, I don't know how that would work anatomically the yeah. other way. I don't, I don't play cloaca. Uh, <laughs> Shark cloaca. That's a good band name. Uh, <laughs> I, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the stage, Shark cloaca. <laughs> cloaca. <laughs> The movie, though, like, the whole movie, though, like, it was nice to have that moment. It's just, like, a really cute, festive, like, aha, that's funny. Because the movie is dark as fuck. Like, there's a still of, like, Hawkman getting his rings ripped off. There's, there's like, a scene with Starfire lying next to Titan's Tower ripped in half. So, it's, like, it is dark. It is, it is, when I remember... I, lo- I was just looking up a trailer or something for it, and I found a random clip, and there's, like, a scene of Superboy just getting his neck casually snapped. And I was like, I what? No. 
but why? And then and then I had to watch the movie and I was like, oh, oh Jesus. So it's it's very kind of it's definitely the end game of this kind of shared uh current DC um animated universe. Um for those of you that don't didn't know about this, uh Justice League War, uh Justice League versus Teen Titans. And uh, uh, you've got Batman, Batman, Son of Batman, uh, Batman, Bad Blood, um, Batman versus Robin. All those movies are all kind of in the shared universe. And it's the same voice actors for all those movies. And there's a similar animation style. So once you start with Justice League War, I know there's a Justice League of Atlantis, uh, which introduces Aquaman in his own kind of story. But it's very, it's actually very interesting how they kind of compiled it um because there is a justice league dark like kind of part one and this is justice league part dark part two and both of them kind of center more around constantine um so who i always forget is a part of the dc universe but yeah no it's definitely a uh a neat watch if you haven't seen it nice so if you have not watched it go and check out justice league dark apocalypse war it almost makes me want to go watch some dc animated films so you never know if you are enjoying this episode, dear listener, and you would like to follow along with us on the social medias, go check out our website at flameonshow.com. Scroll to the bottom. All of our social media icons are right there. Click on them and follow. We love to have more followers. We love to interact with our, our listeners out there. I don't want to call them fans because that just sounds like sycophants needing more praise. But we do like praise. So if you want to go over to uh, your your podcast provider and provide a five star review, praise uh, us. Five stars. Praise us. <laughs> Flame on is listener funded entertainment. So if you would like to help support us continue this endeavor, then please feel free to go over to patreon.com forward slash flame on show and you can join at any one of the four different levels that are up there for you to choose from and uh, there's great content that the outside world does not get that you can have access to by becoming a patron today so that is patreon.com forward slash flame on show all right let's continue on with our topics let's toss it over to eric what you going to talk about today eric so i watched a new program on the hulu Yay! It's not the okay. It's It's not the okay. It's not the good. It's not the better. It's the great! Yas! Grown. The the occasionally true story of Catherine the Great. (laughs) I was going to say, why are you groaning, Brian? You just watched a Hollywood version kind of like that. (laughs) It's it's not completely true. No, no, no. I meant the pun. I meant the pun. That's all. Oh, you meant the pun. It was all about Eric's pun. It was the... Eh. I give it. Um, I give it a three out of five. Hooray! Passing grade. <laughs> um, so this is a satirical comedic take on the life and times of Catherine the Great in Russia, as she gets married in to the royal family and then eventually ascends to the throne. Um, it's. It's definitely a period piece, but has a lot of modern sensibilities. It's um, written by Tony McNamara, who also did The Favorite. It's not quite the kind of the 
feel of Marie Antoinette. Is Are you talking there? about the anachronistic? <laughs> that that yeah. sort of yeah yeah with the music. <laughs> it it comes real close though because that the end credits like they bleed in and you get that yeah pop the music. end credits have the pop covers but nothing actually in the episode has that. I I will say that it has some modern like. The soundtrack is not like total period soundtrack. So if you listen right. closely, there's like electronic in there. There's some some little echoes of things. But you're right. It's it's definitely it's teasing the uh, anachronistic and and some of the dialogue. I think can be. I mean, it's supposed to be in Russian, right? And it's in it's in English, and uh, that's a whole thing all to itself, right? But like they the writer's so funny and plays with that idea of modernizing the story in certain ways so it's relatable yeah. you know so it's really it's right. great it's such a good show yeah because they're certainly not talking old english like shakespeare well it's set in the colonial the 1700s so i mean yeah. it's contemporary with like the american revolution and stuff so it's yeah they're they're not like true pat closures old timey in that sense like they're sort of like <laughs> modernized but uh it's it's uh yeah, I don't know. So what was your what would you say? So you you've watched the first episode, right? I watched the first four episodes so far. That's right, first four. So and I, we're not gonna spoil a lot. However, it's like 300, 400 years old. So you can certainly uh be easily spoiled <laughs> if you read up on uh, Catherine's life. But because it is occasionally true, it is uh actually I think a lot of times uh, the big beats are somewhat like we were I, I was kind of doing some research as we were going through it to see like Hollywood if things were true or not. Uh, so in the same way, Hollywood is like a springboard if you're interested in learning more about the actual reality. This show is the same. Um, but uh, I've gotten through, I think, episode eight, uh, which uh, some big shit happens uh, in the later episodes. It's a 10 episode series. I don't know if there's I mean, a second I'm season. I'm sure it does. She has uh, a plan of coup. <laughs> well, but it doesn't. Okay. I don't want to say anymore. Right. There's so much. Anyway, uh, one of the I actors mean, in it. What's that? All I know of all I know of Catherine the Great is uh, what was in the lyrics for the greatest or the baddest bitches in her story, <laughs> and Ginger portrayal with the hobby horse on All Stars too. So. And and the oh, thing Lord. is, I didn't really realize why she had a hobby horse until I started watching the show, and I find out why Catherine the Great <laughs> is. They said she fucked a horse, right? Such bitches. Yeah. yeah. The shame. That court. The court is shady. The ladies fuck. of court. Who is your favorite character in the show? Um, currently, it's probably oh, what's her name? It's the uh, the aunt. Ariel, the handmaiden. Yes. Although the aunt is really growing on me. The the so the handmaid's amazing. The aunt is fucking hilarious. Total. So so the aunt is actually Peter's mother's sister. So it's that on that side of the family. No, it's it's it's. Oh, her, is it the father? It's the dad. The dad oh, I missed that. Okay, good. I'm glad you clarified that. Um, because it's let me the incest. It's an incest story. Yeah, there's a little bit of that. So the aunt's fucking nuts. <laughs> she's got a fleet of butterflies. BJ, you'd love this. She got butterflies that she's trying to train to be like oh. to fly in formation, right? <laughs> uh, she's trying to be a successful age oh. O'Hara. I was gonna say that O'Hara <laughs> would be appreciative of that. Oh, she's like a complete sexual, uh, liberated woman. Like she's got all these fantastic, uh, things throughout the season uh, that she's, she's into and talks about. Her wall is basically decorated like the Kama Sutra. Yep. 
Um, and the whole family is fucking like sex addicts. Like Peter is constantly fucking this other chick, and it's it, uh, there's just so much. It's again, it's it's a comedy, but it's got it's drama. It's like dark at times. Like it's really dark because the story is dark. It's Russia in that era. The church controlled everything. the The leader was a insane, like power hungry monster. But they even humanized him in a lot of key moments. And he's played by, did you recognize him from First Class X-Men? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Like, McCoy. delightful. Holt. Yeah. So delightful. Um, <laughs> and one thing I didn't realize from the whole, again, that's because I don't really know Russian history very well, but I didn't realize that he is not Peter the Great. His dad was Peter the Great. Yep. And so he's trying to be great-ish. He's Peter the, the meh. Peter the <laughs> dot dot dot. <laughs> Meh. And and what is oh, so Al Fanning? I I I think we talked about this last time, so I don't remember now. What, what, other than being the fan, sister of Dakota Fanning, who I know, who what is Elle done? What has else she been in? Uh, she's uh, done Super Eight. She's done the Maleficent movies. Um, right, I, for, I knew I recognized her from something Disney. She's brilliant too. I mean, I I, I don't Eric. I don't know a lot of Russian history either. This has been an education for me, certainly watching the show uh, and a jumping off point. But like she is like she is amazing. She just commands this naivete, but yet burning passion to have. She she's like in some ways like a female Hamilton, like just trying to change the system and just every way she can think about how to how to make change in this society and failing so far. I, I mean, her storyline is kind of a parallel to Sansa's from Game of Thrones a little bit, in that she came in very naive, romantic view of what royalty is. I'm going to be a queen. And then she had to learn very quickly to uh, all the the acting she has to do to get along with everybody. Oh, so Doctor Who reference too. The guy who plays Orlo, who's one of the advisors, is the same yeah. actor who plays the master, Sasha D- uh, Dawan, Dawan, I've never said his name, uh, who plays the master in the new oh, Doctor Who season. Yep. Nice. And he gets he gets a great arc too, like uh, not where you think it's going to go. Um, the general, Another, oh, so many good characters in this thing. Beyond all the writing and how good the acting is, it was also really interesting to see that it seems like it was completely colorblind casting. There's so many um, actors of color that yep. are representing these uh, Russian oligarchs. In- yeah, they, they delightfully uh, don't have any care about that. I mean, so so I know people are out there probably like losing their shit because they're like, they're British, they're not Russian. Uh, it's all modernized and they're doing all this shit that they wouldn't happen. And, and then now they have people, like I know people's heads are exploding about this. And I think that's fantastic too. But, I'm very but happy. Brian, that's, that's the best thing about COVID everybody's concentrating on that right now and nobody has time to nitpick anything yet <laughs> yeah you uh, well no well, you know, everybody's stuck at home and has plenty of time to get on the internet and nitpick everything it's true yeah it's, it's just that no one's like elevating it to national attention because everyone's obsessed with the virus so that is the great on hulu thank you eric uh for bringing that topic to the table joshua mr bear bust if you're nasty what Me? is your topic? Yes, you. Oh, uh, my topic is uh, the final season of She-Ra. And the Princesses uh, of Power. And the Princesses of Power. 
so gay, actually, oh. in so many ways. Um, so this season, okay. and it is so good, so good, so gay. Good. And try that. It, yeah, sounded better in my head. Anywho, um, so this season um, was the final season. Just released, I think, what May fifth. Um, yeah, and. It takes place after uh, Shira had destroyed the sword of Shira, um, and so now we get to see her struggle with that decision, go back to her, you know, physical training from when she was a part of the Horde, uh, and not having that power, which is uh, quite refreshing to see in some hero-based arc, you know, because you get kind of used to having a power, and then all of a sudden when it when you rely heavily on it. So now we're kind of falling back on uh, pre-Shira uh, Adora. I just love um, the fact that she keeps pulling a Leroy Jenkins and just like <laughs> keeps running off and Mermista's like, are you kidding me right now? <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> They're like, okay, well, you were going to do this. We're going to, Aurora! <laughs> and they're like, God damn it. Somebody go get her. <laughs> It, I mean, everybody overall, just runs away from Mermista Adora does and Trapta does. <laughs> well, honestly, all you have to do everybody. is for Entrapta, you just take an SD card and you flick it across the room and she'll go chase it. So, I mean, <laughs> it's really not that. Isn't that what somebody does at one point? They're just like, hey, Entrapta, look. And they just like throw something and she goes, yes. Uh, and yes. it's just like, look, a drone yes. over there. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And she's over there. <laughs> Um, but overall it was a really good season um i was kind of concerned how they were going to play it off by introducing a new villain as well as touch on you know the final so it was definitely uh probably the gayest season um you get to see a lot more of uh the more minor princesses um spinnerella and Natasha, um, who who are at first the only gay representation, um, and so they're married. Um, you, you get to see a lot more of them, which I actually thought was pretty great because they're actually pretty cool characters. Um, and then you get to see like a little struggle with their marriage and and the whole overall plot. But Bo's were Bo's fathers the first. No, like, uh, no, no, no. They were introduced, I think, in season three or four. Season three, I think. But um, the two princesses, Spinnerella and Natasha, they have been around since season one. Um, well, come on, Spin Doctor. <laughs> I think my favorite thing about the new season is you get um, new outfits for. Catra, a whole new look, actually, um, which I thought was fantastic. She gets her and hair did. She gets her <laughs> hair did, you know. She gets implanted with a chip. And uh, she does a hair toss. She checks her nails. She, Shira got a good brand show. new outfit. And oh, a whole new look. So good. I love so new outfit. In the Digimon movie, uh, the US release that kind of combined a couple like stories into one, th- there was a character that um, looked at another character like, oh, he's got pants now. It was kind of like the same situation when you get to see Shira, oh, she's got pants now. Um, but it was 
a fantastic new look, very matured. Um, you get to see a little bit more of the the kind of design with the hair, you know, with Mara. But my favorite thing is is over is Katra's story arc. There was so much development with her character the entire show, and to see her go through all of these struggles internally. I mean, you can see the evolution and and the struggle uh, developing internally throughout the entire show. Yeah, her so um, her like the her abandonment issues and everything. Yep. Like, I mean. I just finished Steven Universe. So, like, could you not read me animation? If you just could not read me for filth, I would be, I'd be really happy <laughs> about that. Right. No, man, you get read for filth. And I am going to do a crossplay of Catra. That's terrible. Are you? I'm totally going to do a crossplay for Catra. Are you read? Hey, DJ. Hey, flame on. <laughs> uh, it is great to see Catra go through that transformation. And it is, um, and it kind of ties back to Steven Universe Future because one of the big things that I think it was during Bismuth's episode where they go to the skating rink, where it's a lot yep. of um, you, you dealing with the aspect of your, your, good friends your best friends you are really close to one person and then they make another friend and having to kind of deal with that that having to understand and deal with the fact that people can be friends with and close friends with multiple people and um watching kind of go through that with pearl and then watch katra have to kind of process that and maybe still not a hundred percent well, it, it's well. It's also the fact that Katra. It wasn't, and it's was. It's not just the fact that Katra is like, but Adora is my friend. It's also the fact that Katra. It, it, it's there. There were so many layers to her character, and we finally got explanations as to why her behavior was so erratic. And it's the fact that she misses Adora. She's in love with Adora. She she doesn't like the fact that Adora has made these new friends and she feels abandoned, but at the same time she's like, but I love her. So it's that one thing where like, if she's not going to love me, she's going to fucking hate me. Like, so that's what we've kind of gotten an explanation as to the different levels of why Catra has been the way she's been. Yeah. I I mean, it's pretty apparent though, that she misses Adora. Like ultimately in the very beginning, when she starts hanging and becoming friends with the the princesses, you know, you see this jealousy with Katra. Mm. And you see this hint of fear that she's being replaced, you know. Uh, because I mean for the for the longest time, their entire childhood, it's always just been the two of them. You know, well, and so now to that point, I mean in, in some of the flashbacks. Um, a big thing, and I, I understand the missing her and all that, but the fact of her having to deal with Adora even being friends with anyone else, because when they show them in the later episodes of season five, when they show them being young and Adora is like, oh, Kyle and whoever, like blah, 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 and Catra like kind of freaks out because she she can't, because of how they were raised, mm-hmm. she can't understand having a connection with more than one person. 
and and being able to say, okay, well, this is the person that I'm closest to, the person that I love, that can also have these connections with other people, you know. So that was the that's the core, and then everything else has built on top of that core yeah. um, issue that she's been dealing with. I love Bo and Glimmer's kind of reaction to Catra because the whole throughout the whole series they're just like, oh, this bitch, why is she the worst? But then like. Catra making that one good decision to save Glimmer to save Glimmer lets them know that she's there's something wrong she's in trouble and that's the thing is Glimmer and Bo are good people they try they try to do the best they can and the moment Catra pops up they pretty much are like like Bo's just like oh my god you're adorable you are the cutest person I have ever met. And like, Catra's like, are you trying to fucking make me angry? And she's just like, if I had ears in that helmet, I would be, I would never want to take that helmet off either. And it's, it's, it's a really nice, they're so open to forging different connections. Yeah. That then you have Catra uncomfortable in a whole different way. But then at the same time, when they're making fun of Adora, She's like, what are we doing? Are we making fun of Adora? This is great. Oh, great. I'm in. (laughs) Are we making fun of me? Okay, I'm going to hiss at you, and I'm going to, like, storm off. It's it's how we interact with Josh. So (laughs) it's literally when BJ, Eric, and I all start making fun of Josh, we're in, and Josh is like, really, bitch? But then as soon as we pick somebody else, Josh is like, I'm right here, too. Let's do this. (laughs) Which is funny, because... um, in our original recording, I talked about how I thought Catra was the more relatable character for me personally, because I, you know, I experienced a lot of stuff that she did. So now you're just making me connected to her in a whole different way. So. Absolutely. And I mean, y'all bitches. Look at his little fingers up on the camera. I'm going to go through that ears. <laughs> Can you sneeze for us? Is your sneeze just as adorable as, uh, as Catra's? <laughs> no, I pull, um, uh, muscles and some like when i so when i sneeze or when i held the sneeze before i muted it i heard my spine crack it was just like pop 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 so no my sneezes are not cute and adorable <laughs> by any means uh, <laughs> and then i just want to point out um first of all first of all i obviously did not pay attention a lot through the first few seasons because i didn't realize the lesbian princesses uh were lesbians until the like I figured they were, but I wasn't sure how like apparent it was. No, no, they, they said they were wives. Well, no, and and I, I like yeah. to throw stuff like that on in the background, and I'll work on things, so I don't always catch everything. But uh, every time they would say Cinderella, I just kept thinking Cinderella, and was wondering where Salt was because obviously uh, the wife is Peppa. So I'm just waiting for the third, the third person. So Salt, Pep, and Cinderella. Uh, but then when they go to um, the planet that not Hordak, who, let me just say, is my favorite fucking character. Oh, r- wrong Fire. Hordak. I love wrong, wrong Hordak. Hordak. Wrong Hordak. Rejoice, brothers. It is when, when, uh, when he's taught how to wink and he does it wrong the entire time. The best thing I've ever seen in my life. Wrong Hordak is amazing. Uh, and the fact that they've introduced so many characters that were that felt fleshed out 
that you could appreciate in this final season is a testament to the writing for sure. Um, I I was rooting for Hordak. Can you? I like I like the whole time. I'm like, it's Trapta. He's right there. Just hug him. Give him what he wants. I was like, oh my god. I was actually worried about the main villain from the previous four fucking seasons. Right. Well, now you kind well, of because there's that. development. Yep. Yeah. And and, and you see that there's like he's almost kind of a victim too in in his own way. I yep. mean, to tie it to a different series which was just released on Netflix, uh Avatar, it's kind of like Prince Zuko. Yep. How those first couple seasons or the first like most of the first two seasons he's this huge antagonist to uh to Aang, and then just has that turn and realize, oh man, all my hate is being misplaced. And my sister's actually, not me. <laughs> my dad, my sister, are horrible people. <clears throat> well, the then, other, well, real quick, I just want to also throw out. Um, so when they get the information about Hordak Prime's weakness, and they go to the planet, um, I can't remember the name of the planet, but they to go find uh, his weakness. And they come across this being that is the last of its kind, that is uh, a being of magic. It is quite honestly the cutest thing in the world, especially once it um, it imprints on Catra. Catra. Yeah, and it and then it takes the form of a cat, and it's this. It mimics her sneeze. It does this whole thing. It's the cutest fucking thing in the world. That's actually what I was going to end up uh, oh. mentioning. Yeah. So what <laughs> we're on the same page. What was his name again? The character's Milog. name? Milog. Milog. Milog, yes. It, it, it was honestly between Wrong Hordak and Milog, a bit of an ex machina um, in certain ways because when the characters are about to be spotted and they can't be spotted, Milog is able to bond with them and make them invisible and, and things like that. But a welcome addition to uh, to the cast, for sure, in this season. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
All right. So before I do uh, my topic and our last pop culture topic of uh, this episode, I did want to throw out one more topic to the group. It was announced uh, or it was announced by the actress herself that Ruby Rose is leaving the titular role of Batwoman on CW's Batwoman series, which just held its finale. And honestly, after 18 or 19 episodes, I'm still trying, like, we're still trying to find Alice and still trying to deal with this, like, for real. But I'm watching it. I, I, I probably watched, like, the first three. Um, and... I don't know. It's weird because I am not familiar with Batwoman at all. Um, I just started looking up her comics on DC Universe. So it's just one of those. I mean, everything I've seen about the character, I like. Um, It's just one of those things where I'm like, where there's so many good TV shows right now. Uh, So I probably will have more of an opinion on it once um, the... uh, once it pops up on Netflix, but um, it was just it was it was odd that she just decided to leave. And from what I can tell, she was like, "Oh, there's no hard feelings. I didn't leave because of a single reason. I just I don't know if she's that type of actress that's just kind of a one and done sort of thing." Did you read it's, her actual reasons though? It was she was exhausted. Like it was uh, just it it was oh, too was much it? for her. Yeah, that's all it was. I, yeah, exactly. In air quotes because we don't really know if that was the cover story, but. Uh, her so public statement. Are, I read something different. Talk. Yeah, there's a lot of talk of that. Um, her near paralyzation from having being forced to do her own stunts. Uh, um, that was a factor. I've also heard that um, kind of like I uh, was a Dan DiDio where, um, where he left, but at the same time was basically asked to leave and escorted off property. Uh but I, I, I kind of, I've heard a little bit of neither side was really happy. And uh, Warner Brothers basically was kind of like, okay, we're going to have you exit this role. I heard it was like a little bit of uh, some a mixture of like some criticism she received since she was cast in the role. Uh, similar to like the actress who played Rose in Star Wars. I don't want to give I don't Josh I don't want to give that any credit because I think that's just enabling people to harass people on Twitter so I I would I I feel like what Pat was identifying is the the reality Um, because like you know anyone can harass people online and you can leave Twitter and not hear it honestly like they're from the moment that they announced uh Ruby Rose for was it Elseworlds was that the crossover that she did yes yes Yes. that was the crossover Uh, that she popped up in yeah, so when they announced her for that, there was a lot of um, vitriol and and toxic fandom that popped out of the woodwork for that. So honestly, I don't I don't see it being something along those lines. I definitely could see it being her not being happy. Apparently, she hasn't been happy for a while. Yeah, and um, that made it difficult uh, to work with her on set. Um, so that was something that I had heard. And um, honestly, like if if you're on the show and in an effort to cut costs, they're making you do your own stunts that are leading to multiple herniated discs to um, you having to have surgery. Yeah. Because if you don't, you could potentially sever your spinal cord and be yeah. um, a quadriplegic. I could understand her, her reasoning for not wanting to be on the show anymore. Yeah. But it- I don't think they were happy with um, 
the ratings and and her performance at that point. If you have not read though, BJ, when you find that Greg Rucka and uh, oh god, I cannot think of the artist's name, the original artist who did the first run with Rucka, uh, unbelievable! It is some of the best art, and that's why I'm bummed I can't remember his name. Uh, but it is it is such a great story. The Alice thing is kind of crazy. And the dad, it was there. I didn't watch the TV show. Was there, was the dad in this at all? Or, yeah. or okay. The, okay. the general or whatever his military thing is. A major. Uh, a major. It's, uh, it, it's such an interesting Batman story. And I, uh, it, even though Batman, Batman is not in it at all. It is, uh, it is a delightful experience in the, in the books. He's like barely in it. So, yeah. Well, they've actually, um, and first is it J.H. Williams? J.H. Williams. Yep. Yep. That's it. Okay. Uh, so that he was the one that did the art. I pulled that up real quick. Layouts uh, like no other artist I've seen. Uh, he worked with Alan Moore on Promethea. And like, God, it's just some beautiful stuff. And just so different than anything else. Ugh. And well, so the the kind of funny part, the, the thing that I think towards the end of the season that actually made me be like, oh, okay, maybe this isn't, you know, so bad. They uh, Although it's not her villain or antagonist, uh, but they have incorporated Hush into the show oh and this is hush's first um first live uh live action appearance is on this show now spoiler alert not that anybody is keeping up with it um so alice gives him a face they take his face off and that's when he ends up so now he has the bandages and that's when he became hush um but she sews a face onto him the face is bruce wayne yeah <laughs> Uh, well that makes sense right because that's that's us kind of happened not alice involved but hush had a bruce wayne face at one point yeah. so yeah. oh neat it's it's still not the best show out there um people people swear by it people hate it it's it's uh really toxic to go through any um any like uh, cbr or news rama articles uh comment thread um i always make the mistake of popping into to look and they get very angry take jonathan colton's (laughs) advice don't read the comment never read the comments i mean like that's josh that's why i was very uh aggressive with that because i absolutely do not want to ever enable or embolden anyone to do that and have think they have an effect and i don't think in this case Mm -hmm. they did so well right so so that'll lead into um in this bat family uh I, i think kind of leading from that point um, it should be mentioned that HBO Max next year will be airing the Snyder Cut of Justice League. Seriously, like, what the hell? I just, I mean, I'm interested because I'm a process nerd and a director film nerd, so I want to see Let what it die. was. What is let it? it? Let it die. Oh, I thought you were saying do Martha. You, just let it die. Do you, do you think it'll be better? No. I mean, some I, people will enjoy it more, but no, no. I, I heard with like um, Batman versus Superman, the extended cut made the movie better because it added stuff that made the movie make more sense. Yeah, it made it made more sense. I wouldn't say it, it didn't work better. But it definitely made more it, sense. It didn't did fix the structural problems. It fixed the pacing and did flesh it out a bit. But Snyder is not a still trash. It's still trash. He's not a great. He's not a good director. He 
I don't even want to say that. His style is not appropriate, I think, for what actively DC is. The characters. Like, he (laughs) hates, he likes Batman. He's been on record, he does not like Superman. Right. And and that, when I saw Man 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 of Steel, yeah, I was like, trash. Oh, he hates him. Oh, okay. The director actively hates the character. He hates the idea of, he hates the way Superman is portrayed in comics. Yes. I I think it's not that he hates Superman at all. It's not his favorite for sure, but I think he just thinks that it could be more, you know, relevant to the dark times and reality. And he's one of those. uh, um, He wanted to be Christopher Nolan. That's what he wanted to be. And he is no Christopher Nolan. And I feel close. like Christopher Nolan would have been like, I'm not touching Superman. That's like Obama versus just, Trump. Like, that's just like, there's not even, it's not even close. It's yeah. like, oh. and, and if he was wanting to do something kind of like that, I feel like he could just pull inspiration from the uh, Injustice video game. Seriously, like, I would rather than him, if, if they wanted to give him something, like, let him make that universe. That universe is appropriate to him, I think. It's perfect, yeah. Or he could have made Red Sun. Who cares? <sighs> yeah, yeah. He could have made Brightburn, let's be clear. Right for him. <laughs> but yeah, so so that is a thing now that um and the thing that gets me is that they didn't finish the CGI. So are they're now spending twenty million dollars to finish this up to make it an actual thing that they can air? So why? What I don't understand this. Like and and it just does enable there to be an outcry from fans for any reason and now studios buckle to oh, okay well we'll go ahead and we'll release this well, part uh part it of it for sonic <laughs> part of it actually part of it is a little bit because they um right now if things don't improve with the coronavirus before i think july networks aren't gonna have anything air like past november so i think part of the reason is that the studio was like what can we get our hands on that like three people can finish at home or like one person can come into an office and finish and I think uh, uh, HBO's new streaming service has a lot of content but not enough to not enough for this uh, freeze in production I think that's a very astute point because you're right if it's in the can in some form and you can work it and make it a thing I think that's uh, to their advantage the other thing is Snyder left the project very suddenly because of a like what was his child died like yeah it's bad shit that happened to him so I you know as much as I don't love him as a director in some ways I'm glad that he can still have this thing out there for for other reasons but I'm not it's not yeah. But I mean, that, there was also speculation that that's not the full reason because his daughter died like six or eight months before he left the project. Yeah, but I mean, it's a and creative that, excuse, if you will, right? No, no, it is. But they, but the fact that Warner Brothers wasn't happy with the direction of everything right. and took him off of it, and that was kind of his saving face way to, to leave the project. Now you're going back and being like, okay... And then you got the actors like you know Jason Momoa like oh yeah but and almost like I mean is it I'm sure it's getting you more money so do you bitch do you but yeah. it's not gonna I don't think it's gonna be anything that's gonna make us turn around and go okay Justice League is amazing now <laughs> we saw the other we saw Man of Steel we saw Batman v Superman those weren't good 
So I mean, like, I, I don't, I don't understand it. But uh, my favorite article was the uh, the uh, was the Hardline.net or something like that, where uh, it was a satire article that said that the reason that HBO Max executives greenlit uh, the Snyder Cut was because they realized all their mothers' names were Martha. <laughs> I did read that. That was great. That was my favorite. That was my favorite of the article. I, ha- I haven't seen that, but that's amazing. Go check out the Playmon page. It's uh, I posted it there uh, a couple days ago. So that All article right. is is up on the the Playmon page. Oh, All right. Page? You... Oh, what? So on to my topic. This will be the last topic before uh, we take a quick station break and uh, do our one ups. But I want to talk about another uh, documentary film that is up on Netflix, and it is called Circus of Books. It is a documentary that is uh, that revolves around the lives of Karen and Barry Mason, who are a lovely uh, older Jewish couple who for uh, over 30 years ran a bookstore um, that was unlike your traditional Barnes and Noble or, uh, or books a million um, in the fact that this bookstore provided um, adult entertainment materials for the homosexual man, ladies and gentlemen, porn, <laughs> porn. porn is what they, they sold. Um, yeah. So their daughter, Rachel Mason uh, is a documentary filmmaker and the beginning of the movie opens up with uh, home movies that she did uh, early in life. And I didn't at first understand the framing of the entire thing because I didn't know much about this film. And um, it made sense later on when you realize that she was kind of like the art geek and the, the film geek of uh, the family and her friends. So it's uh, framed around doing interviews with not only her parents, but also her siblings um, former employees of the bookstore Circus of Books, um, and a couple of other, uh, both um, adult film stars and other notable uh, people within the porn revolution of sorts, and trying to fight the injustice of um, smut. Well, of the, of the government's um, targeting of adults. Uh, entertainment and adult materials. Yep. So, was based- it Alaska in it? Yes, uh, Alaska is uh, is a former employee of Circus of Books, which at the end of their run had two locations, but the biggest uh, location that is prominently uh, predominantly talked about is their WeHo or the West Hollywood location, uh, which had what they refer to as Vaseline Alley behind the store, and that was where gentlemen who entered the store and maybe stumbled across another gentleman that they took a fancy to would go out behind the store and hook up. They got moist. If if you're old enough... And what is the Vaseline for? For the buttholes. For all the buttholes. Eric just uses spit for that normally. And by that, I mean, he always comes in prepared, so you don't even have to worry about it. It's fine. If the landing strip's ready, you don't have to worry about where the plane, when the plane lands. You don't have to get ready if you stay ready. Stay ready. <laughs> I didn't come here to play. I came here to slay. Yo, booty hole. 
<laughs> so um yes but yeah it does uh it does do interviews with uh, alaska a couple of other of the employees that work there um it also has some interviews with jeff striker who um is a a, a well-known to a certain generation um porn star male porn star who also had uh action figures made in his likeness with bendable and posable um appendages did you look up how much they cost no how much are they oh my god they're over a hundred dollars and they're not even that old like they've been around uh not not too long but yeah over 100 they're like i think they were derived from the billy dolls that were big for a while uh and and this doll is also big yeah i thought that was another um doll that had uh, a similar appendage and uh masculine features if those of us old enough to remember actual gay bookstores uh including in orlando uh we had mojo mojo something not mojo man like the one now but and then we had uh rainbow city was the original one yep. uh off mills and they had the billy doll and i think they had the jeff striker doll now that i think back um but yes they are delightful dolls if they were a little cheaper you know it's a thing to put up on your uh, your bookshelf and <laughs> admire so uh karen and barry were uh not originally setting out to be uh purveyors of an adult bookstore um karen actually was a reporter who did work on uh, and covered the larry flint case um so larry flint does make an appearance and is interviewed in the documentary um but when things got rough uh for them they had come across um I think it was called Book Circus, was the uh, the original bookstore name. And somebody had told them that they could make money doing this and selling adult material. So they went ahead and purchased it thinking, oh, okay, we'll do this for, you know, a, a short period of time. And, um, and then we'll find careers that are more suited to what we're looking to do. And then we'll leave this behind. 30 years later, you know, there's Karen in her uh, in what it would have to be like her late 70s, maybe early 80s, going to uh, adult novelty conventions and uh, ordering more product for the store and telling her daughter as they pass the wall of dildos that she still can't even look at these things, because, you know, but she just knows what will sell in the store. So it's a very interesting look um, from that perspective. It also uh, contains interviews with uh, Rachel's brothers, uh, Micah, who, woof, very handsome uh, furry man, and uh, Josh, who is the younger brother, who throughout the course of the film, um, it's revealed that he is homosexual. And it then uh, pivots in a point to talk about the religious aspect, because Karen is um, a very religious, very um, very practicing religious Jewish woman. And Barry is very laid back and, and non-religious, uh, non-practicing, I should say. And showing how, like, kind of the, the torment and the fighting internally that Karen had to do as the owner of a gay bookstore who then um, did not react well to her own son coming out. And the the heartbreaking story of Josh having to purchase a second ticket um, when he thought that he was going to tell his parents that he was gay 
because he expected to be kicked out of the house and have to leave immediately and not just uh, at the time when he would normally come and uh, or, or leave the house to go back to college. So uh, even at that point, it, it really breaks his sister down who's doing this filming because she didn't know at that time. And she was really kind of concerned about like, you know, wondering why he didn't hang out with her, which she hung out with in the nineties, less referred to as the queer crowd and more the, the artsy crowd, the goth crowd, um, the outsiders who tend to be a little bit more fluid and, and willing to experiment sexually. So in today's, you know, kind of terminology or thinking they would be the queer, the queer kids. Um, so it, it's definitely a very moving. It's a definite, um, it's a very interesting uh, look back into history. Uh, Alexei Romanoff is one of the other interviews that's done. He talks about um, riots that had happened in uh, WeHo back in the sixties, you know, like five or so years or maybe a little more than that before the Stonewall riots where uh, the patrons of, I, I can't remember. This is one always escapes me. I think it was like the pink triangle or yeah, second time. I, I forget this. <laughs> You think it's until I start talking about it, I don't remember to look it up. But there, it was a bar in the area that had um, that was being harassed by the police. So it, it shows how far back that you know. A lot of times we think that the Stonewall riots were really the first pushback where the queer community um, stood up for themselves. And so it's nice to kind of get another um, perspective and another little bit of history that even you know I, I'm inching closer to forty at this point. I don't always know these things. So kids that are 18, 19, 20 years old for them to kind of get this, this bit of history lesson um, where Hollywood portrayed a very serene and kind of easy progression. Um, Something like circus of books gives you that, that real lens on, uh, on the struggles that the community went through. I really enjoyed this piece, both for it reminding me of the, you know, the eras of the gay bookstores that I used to go to, um, but also the fact that the family was religious. And even though they're very conservative Jewish, uh, my coming out to my family and dealing with the the religious aspect was also uh, a real thing for me. So I related a lot to the son that had to come out and uh, especially seeing it through the daughter's perspective as the filmmaker. Like the whole thing was very uh, nice and emotional and tied together and, and delightful. So um, yeah, I, and on the Alaska thing, it was almost like uh, not a distraction, but it was just like, she's advertised as part of the thing. And it's like, and she's there, it's an interview. Like she worked there, but it, you know, it was just interesting. Anyway, I loved it. I'm glad you recommended it and I'm glad it's out there and I hope, Everybody watches it for more uplifting queer content that they uh, they know they might want right now. Absolutely. I mean, I didn't I didn't know about it until I had listened to an episode of Hot Goss, and Willem brought it up, and partially because of that fact that Alaska was kind of used as um, the face of the you know thumbnailing, if you want to say Netflix changes their covers up a bit, um, and they rotate it out every every so often, I guess to keep it fresh. And you're like, oh wait, I didn't realize this. But I think it was partially because from a uh, a celebrity standpoint, I think Alaska's Q rating is probably the highest of anybody that's in the the film. Um, so it was a smart move to put Alaska, uh, not in drag, obviously, um, 
I I, uh, I can't remember Alaska's uh, boy name, but to put him uh, as the kind of thumbnail for the movie was definitely a huge uh, advantage to them. And um, it was filmed, I want to say, through up through 2016, because kind of you can see where the film pivots out from the storyline that it's using um, when it gets to the Pride Parade. And then it talks about, it kind of goes through and it overlays photos from um, the Pulse shooting into the movie as well. And that's kind of where that film, uh, chrono- uh, chronologically, it kind of ends there. And then I think she picked it back up uh, because in 2019, the bookstore, uh, Circus of Books, both locations officially closed. And that is kind of the um, the the final piece of it is really tying up the story because there's a lot of points where uh, there, you don't know what's going to happen. The, the family doesn't know what's going to happen. So for her to come back and be able to show how, like how everything ended up going and, and the end of the saga for the family, it, it, it definitely was an in, a very interesting piece of uh of queer history and for for the mom to go to i think it was the one foundation one was the uh the magazine um that was published self basically self-published and distributed um was queer magazine that was put out during the time where it was 100 percent illegal to be gay so the mom takes a lot of the stuff from uh circus of books and brings it and it's interesting, and it's it's. I think partially because she is a a straight woman, um, she's just kind of like, oh well. I mean, here's some stuff. It's probably just garbage, um, and not realizing that when you are in the queer community, things like that are 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 pivotal, and a lot of that stuff doesn't make it through because of how the police handle things. About you know, you couldn't keep these types of things because you know that was just you had to be careful about it. So overall, I, I highly, highly recommend it. So that is circus of books on Netflix. Dear listeners, if you're enjoying this episode or any of the other content that we have for you on our flame on channel, then uh, feel free to follow us on your favorite social media platform. Go to flameonshow.com, scroll to the bottom and our chiclets are right there. Flame on is listener funded entertainment. So if you would like to help us, to continue making this and many other podcasts, then head on over to Patreon and become a patron today. That's patreon.com forward slash flame on show. You can join at any one of our four tiers and unlock great content that is exclusive just to our Patreon subscribers. All right. So before we sign off uh, for today, let us go ahead and do a quick round of one ups. Eric, what you got for your one up? What is giving you life? So I'm gonna have like one and a half ups. <laughs> Every time. Um, <laughs> well, midnight last night, the Lady Gaga and Ariana Grande dropped a new song on us called "Rain on Me." Um, I've only listened to it once so far, but it's bright. It's fun. It. I wish. Any of the bars were open, so I can go dance to it. Have you have uh, you uh, have you seen the music video? It's dropped. Hold on, hold on. Can we go yeah. back to this, Eric? What? When is the last time you went to a bar and danced? You don't know me. I don't know my <laughs> life. Uh, it wasn't. 
it was no, I just sometime last year because I remember you were blitz drunk when you did when you did go, Dan. Oh uh, well, okay, all right, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, that's usually a drag race viewing party or bear bust when I'm around. It, it was bear bust. It was definitely bear bust. <laughs> and yes, and I danced I at and I danced at uh, uh shoot uh P Town. Oh, well, I missed that. So there you go. You you unlocked your little inner dance queen. I love it. Uh, and, and as BJ mentioned, that's just, that... at, noon, at noon today, the music video did drop. And Ariana, in some of the scenes, does not have a high pony, I, which I think is scandalous. I know. Sin. <laughs> Pure scandalous. sin. But that's just one track. And for more music, uh, Dua Lipa recently dropped a new album called Future Nostalgia. Oh, uh, so good. Which is... It's interesting because all I had heard from her before I got this album was just her New Rules song. And that was it. And I know she had a, at least one more release off her first CD. Uh, uh, IDGAF. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Uh, which... I would probably know it if I heard it, but I never knew... Like, I never had it pointed out to me that, oh, yeah, that's Dua Lipa. Um, but this is good. More bops, as the kids are saying. Uh, got some fat beats going down. <laughs> you could be getting down. No, but it's good. Sick. Beats. <laughs> no, but it's just, it's just good head bopping music. Uh, but it's got some relaxed vocals to it so um definitely very late 70s early 80s um late 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 era disco into the um funky stuff funky synth uh music of the the early 80s for sure uh love again is is one of my favorite tracks on the um on the album yeah my favorite is cool uh it's just a fun 80s inspired love song. Uh, but she definitely talks about a lot of, even though everything has a really good beat, she's talking about some deeper subjects going on in there. Uh, I heard, uh, what's her name? Uh, girls, uh, uh, Lena Dunham say that Hallucinate is a song about poppers. So you're right. Lots of deeper <laughs> subjects in her songs. Uh, but I, I did enjoy the song. It's good. It's, it, there's stuff you, you've got me interested. Deep, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. They are uh, aromas. Thank you. I thought they were for cleaning your head. They that, help you that's... get deep cleaning. <laughs> they do something your to your heads. Let <laughs> you get deep and hope you've cleaned properly. Oh. <laughs> If you stay ready, you won't have to get ready. <laughs> you eat nice chips all day, buddy. What are you doing there, huh? <laughs> you got one of those little things that just the to- comes out of the toilet and goes brunch. up. <laughs> oh, the bottom brunch. Yes. <laughs> oh, so much. Oh, God. What was that? What was that on? I saw that. What was it? It was a YouTube. It was, it was a, a YouTube, YouTube video. video I saw. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it went on way too long, but it was funny. <laughs> Um, but yeah, side of air. The what? <laughs> Can I get a side of air? Oh yeah. Uh, but no, uh, Dua Lipa. She's got good stuff going on. Listen to her. Very nice. Future nostalgia by Dua Lipa. 
Brian, what is your one up? So I was going to do a thing and I did changed it again. I'm just throwing uh, whatever calling audibles all, all over the place. Uh, I've got too many credits. So uh, are you guys familiar with Michael Henry on YouTube? Gay no. comedian. Uh, no. Do yourself Maybe. a favor. What you, you've probably, you've probably seen him. You may not have known his I, name because he's yeah, got some stuff. Probably is there. Yeah. So Google Michael Henry, everyone who's listening right now, even if you're in your car driving, I don't know why you're out driving. You shouldn't be. You stay home. But, uh, you know, look there up Michael Henry. Friends. And you got a mascot. It's fine to be out. <laughs> Brian, I can't. I'm essential. Oh, honey. <laughs> you, we should. We told you that forever. I, how, how many times yes, have I, I told yes, you that? I know who, yes, I've seen many of Michael Henry's videos. So he is still making content in quarantine and he did a video so it, you know he he plays different roles like it's always him but his story changes depending on what he's trying to do so some days he has a boyfriend some days he has a roommate some days he doesn't whatever um so don't expect continuity but there's a video of him going on a walk with his boyfriend and they come across two lesbians and they're socially distant and it is hilarious and just it's so much good queer humor uh, I don't. He's got so many videos. It's kind of ridiculous. Like you'll spend all day. It's a. It's quite a K hole to go down. Uh, and but you're welcome in advance uh, for how funny it is, and how much you will enjoy it. So Michael Henry on YouTube. Just look him up. He's out of L.A. Check him out. Very nice. Very nice. So that's Michael Henry on YouTube. BJ, what is your one up? So my one up is a uh, also another music uh, one up. Uh, I have just discovered a music artist called Maggie King with two eyes. Um, she does some really like, uh, I want to say some really like groove, like she's very groovy. She's got a lot of a uh, couple of slow jams, but she's, um, I've just discovered her. I think she's probably been around a while, but um, she's, uh, I don't know. She's, she, it's a, she's got a very chill sound. Um, so if you need something to kind of vibe to when you're in the car, when you're like doing stuff around the house, um her song that i was introduced to was called that new new so it's uh it's up on spotify um and that's maggie king with uh two eyes um good what are you laughing why why are you laughing pat why what my thought process when you said this was is it maggie with two eyes she has two eyes <laughs> King with two eyes. Maggie. <laughs> I don't know. It could have been M A G I I. You know, I mean, like, you never know. It could have been K I I N G. Or he could just be referencing the fact that she actually has two eyes. I don't know. With BJ, you never quite know. <laughs> but that's M A G G I E K I I N G. Maggie K. Um, uh, but but uh, the song is that new new. It's up on Spotify, and I have been kind of jamming out to it for the past. It's been kind of my Zen song, so I've been jamming out to it for like the past week and a half. Very nice. That is Maggie King. Go check it out on Spotify. All right, so I'm going to do a shameless plug for tomorrow as we're recording this, and as this drops tonight, because I will be uh, watching. Uh, Varla Jean Merman, uh, KK Lavelle doing her digital show um, in just a couple of minutes once we finish this up. And then uh, Varla Jean Merman will drop her shorts a second time. Uh, it is a free show, uh, varlajeanlive.com. I don't know why I'm saying that. It'll be over. But if she does a third, if she drops her shorts a third time, get yourself a ticket. 
uh, because she shows all of her old like music videos and like different clips, like um, uh, video clips that she's done. She has her writing uh, compatriots. She has the producers. And tonight, Ben de la Creme is joining. Um, Get out. Yes. Uh, ben de la Creme will be there. Uh, WQUR's very own. Have ben you listened? I have not listened. Me I neither. <laughs> I want to, though. It, it sounds amazing. The sad part is that I, I now at this point know all four of them. Um, Peaches Christ, Ben de la Creme, Jinx Monsoon, and Major Scales. And I have not listened yet. Peaches yeah. did not send me the invite to like the page, though. So <laughs> I felt special in that way. Um, but yeah, so I'm going to be doing that tonight while while editing this up and posting this. Um, uh, but tomorrow, I get furniture. That's my one-off. Yay! Yay! Do you, though? <laughs> well, I have a three-hour window from 11.30 to 2.30. That is now... That's now they've shrunk it down from a day to a three-hour window. So we'll see what happens tomorrow. Um, but tomorrow night is going to be our uh, Bears in the City 8th Anniversary Digital Get Down. It is a four-hour show uh, featuring drag performances, featuring live music. Um, K.K. Lavelle is going to be part of it. Baronte Bear, Chantel Roche, the First Lady of Bears in the City. Uh, Addison Taylor, April Fresh, uh, Mr. Miss Adrian, um, speaking of Gaga. Um it's just uh it's a star-studded event divine grace is going to be doing a performance she'll also be joining me live some of these queens will be joining me live some of them just taped um a a little happy anniversary message for me um ginger minge and gidget galore i'm so excited to see them you guys will love it uh their performance i've already watched it um and i also have six uh, fantastic musicians um ashley from chasing jonah i've got zach maruniak both uh from orlando st pete area I have Tom Goss and Bobby Joe Valentine uh, from LA. I have got uh, Paul Middleton from the UK. And I have um, Justin Utley, who is the only performer on the show that I have not worked with yet, but I'm super excited. He is um, an out musician, uh, former Latter-day Saint uh, member and um, out award winner, Justin Utley. He's going to be uh, the, he's going to be closing out the show. And then we'll have uh, some karaoke that's going to be live streamed to Facebook and to YouTube. Digital karaoke. I'm doing it. I made it work. It's going to be done. Um, so that'll be tomorrow night. And then maybe uh, if if people are so inclined, we might take it over to Zoom and do some uh, digital karaoke over there as well. But what is actually uh, making me happy, I've, I've gone through a couple of different things. Um, Kimmy versus the Reverend uh, for the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt was uh, what I had said last time. And I still recommend it. I still recommend skipping the intro. Uh, but do yourself a favor, go watch it a couple times. It's funny enough to go watch a few times. But my gay heart was a flutter yesterday. Most of the gays were a flutter when Rain on Me was released because Gaga and Ariana were there. But before the rain could fall, Carly Rae Jepsen said, Bitch, I'm doing this. And she dropped the surprise album. And released dedicated side B, um, a a new album of material that uh, were we'll call them, for lack of a better term, the scraps from dedicated. These are the tracks that didn't make the album. Um, it is a great listen. I am almost happy that this is its own album, and because to me, dedicated is quite honestly pretty close to perfect from start to finish. I put it on. I could listen to the whole album. I love the way that it's crafted. I love the tone. I love the music. 
I honestly would not want to see any of those songs removed to put this on, but I'm glad that she put out more music um, from the dedicated recordings. And um, I'm just, I'm super excited that there is more new Carly Rae Jepsen to tide me over during um, isolation and uh, the pandemic of 2020. So if I can't have an Alanis Morissette album right now, I'm going to have a Carly Rae Jepsen album. She must record a lot of music every time she makes an album because she did that with her last album too, put out the B-sides. Absolutely. Wow. And she had teased this back a while ago and, and I'm glad that she's able to record so many songs uh, because I want to say the Dedicated had like 13 tracks somewhere around there. And then I think there's another 10 on um, on side B. So, I mean, that that is a healthy amount of, uh, of material. And I, I kind of wonder if, they hadn't they had demos for these and then she has access to maybe her own studio and when the pandemic hit she was like you know what this is a perfect time to release more um and she has new merch to go with it also so there's dedicated side b t-shirts and hats and and hoodies and sweatshirts and all this stuff so uh go check out carly ray jepson dedicated side b on your favorite streaming platform um, I guess Josh's 77% battery life did not last him through this whole recording. Kathy's uh, done it again. <laughs> he did not find his one-up. Ah. Ah. Looking for some ice cream now. My charger. Um, so real quick, I'm going to throw this out there because I do know what his, uh, his one-up was, and we'll do this real quick because it definitely deserves to be mentioned. Uh, and his one-up was going to be Out, the new Pixar, uh, Disney Pixar film, short it's uh nine minutes start to finish with credits Very uh, that, that was released today on disney plus and holy fuck it's amazing i am a million times over impressed with um the story it's based on a true story um and and it's adorable did everybody else magic watch is it? real you did. <laughs> i watched it <laughs> i did too what it is it, it was. What uh, any takeaways from it that you guys want to? It share? wasn't what I expected. I I expected it, I guess, to be just a little bit because a lot of the Pixar shorts are very like I don't want to say set in reality, but they they don't really have much of a magical quality. It's usually a lot of the cuter ones are b- mostly based on like around animals, and I didn't know that this actually had like an like a pet sort of attachment to it but that actually made it really really cute um and i like how they didn't really stray away from the fact that his boyfriend was pretty irritated with him um which is which is something that you don't really see in a lot of like pixar and disney sort of things like it's very superficial like the couple anger no i'm pretty sure he wouldn't he was about to not have a boyfriend depending on how this evening went um so and it and it actually had a very cute moment with the mom. I really love the moment with the mom where she's just sitting outside. Um, I I love the fact that it was um, an older person. A lot of the new media that's coming out is focused on younger children, which is great for the younger generation. But it's it's also I think important to see that older people that have dealt with this or that have to come to terms with it or live a life where they they don't open up to their parents about it um and the fact that like when uh when the mom does make the comment and it's you you knew it was coming when she was like you know um i just want you to be happy uh, whoever blah, blah blah and then she says you know and then he, she just kind of 
they just slide the he into her statement Mm -hmm. and it's like okay all right and it 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 was very much i think a uh, a well-needed thing for uh for this world right now to be completely honest and if he was a real person he'd be very attractive Oh my god. He was a lumber jack. Lumberjack. A lumber jack. With his his Hispanic boyfriend. And then honestly the thing that melted my heart the most was um not even so much the mother because you have the, the whole thing of a mother's unconditional love. Um, but that the dad had no lines in it. Even when he when he greeted the father um at the door, the the dad was just kind of mm. like that's all that he was given. And then when uh, he brings the boyfriend out uh, with the cocoa and everything at the end, and he introduces him to his dad, and his dad just grabs him and hugs him. It was oh. like, oh. And yes, the uh, magic is real, and I am now going to be entering any and all um, events in that same way. I'm going to have a rainbow come down, and I'm just like, <laughs> oh, I'm here. Enchant somebody's caller. They were pet spirits that traveled by the rainbow bridge. Oh. Absolutely. It, it was fantastic. So um, if you haven't done so, um, it just came out today, uh, earlier today. Uh, go watch out on Disney+. Plus. You will be glad that you did. And that will wrap up this recording that was actually recorded and will be going out to our listeners. <laughs> I will never put it down, I swear. Did you hit record? Uh, um, yes, I've been watching the timer at the top. Uh, <laughs> we, we kept it almost on target. Uh, if we had started on time, we would have been uh, we been right where did, we needed to be. Did but. you did you notice that I waited till the very end to ask you if you hit record? <laughs> Listen, I, I I made sure this time around I only had one <laughs> cocktail and I made sure that I, I paid attention at the beginning. But that is uh, that does it for us for this month, dear listeners. We appreciate you joining us. We'll be back in two weeks where we're going to talk Drag Race. Um, I know definitely Eric, Ryan, and I will be uh, discussing the finale. Um, it's just going to be uh, RuPaul and the Four Queens playing Mario Kart. Um, have you seen that picture? <laughs> yes. No. It's the finale, the Drag Race finale leaked, and it's literally like Ru is on one side of the Four Queens and then a Mario Kart. <laughs> I feel bad for whoever gets hit with the blue shell at the end. But uh, we'll be back in two weeks with the Drag Race uh, Season 12 recap. So until then, dear listeners, bye, bitch. Boy. See ya. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.